0: down south. I wrote and recorded that about a season or two ago, around this time of year. Stay tuned for more Integrity Radio.
1: That was You
0: Slept, Now Make Your Bed. That's another one I wrote and recorded a season or so ago around this time of year. Coming up next is my story on Randy and Richard Dawkins, and plus a brand new recording called Pull Out stay tuned Integrity Radio Memories from Randy I'm working back in time here for the most part I might jump in and out of uh, and weave in and out of time but for the most part I'm trying to go back into time with my memories uh, with the amazing Randy, Um, and I may have to even backpedal a bit, but it was somewhere I believe maybe Tam 13, perhaps it was earlier than that, Um, it was the Tam that had Richard Dawkins as one of their keynotes. And it was also the time where there was the ugly Rebecca um, sort of aftermath thing. Rebecca, I won't even say the last name, but, um, yeah. And prior to this, I had not really been in contact with Randy uh, for quite some time. And I remember I was almost backsliding into some very... Re- religiosity, and I came across Richard Dawkins' book, um, The God Delusion, I believe it was. And I was so um, impressed with that book that, and it, it reminded me so much of what Randy had taught me, but I had somehow sort of dismissed or forgotten. And um so I got in touch with Renee, called Randy, and um I said, Randy, have you ever heard of this guy named Richard Dawkins? And uh Randy laughed and said, well yeah, he's going to be speaking at my conference, which is uh, the amazing meeting that was held in uh, Las Vegas for for many um, for many years, and I just had to go out and reconnect with Randy, and then um, perhaps meet up with Richard Dawkins. So what's um, there's probably so much to talk about right within that but I'll stick with the Dawkins story so um I had my Dawkins book um I believe the Fisherman's or the the uh, oh geez, I'm forgetting the name of the Dawkins book that had the something tale and <laughs> the Ancestor's Tale I believe it it was called and I asked Randy if he could perhaps hand it off to Dawkins to sign, and Randy took me to actually meet Dawkins. So um, I got to say, I was very, um, you know, flustered, uh, you know, kind of all starstruck uh, to actually meet Dawkins. So. Um, Randy, uh, as we approached where Dawkins was he was doing a book signing and um, we were on the sidelines there and I think Randy was waiting sort of for an acknowledgement from Dawkins but Dawkins was very stressed, I remember him not looking very happy at all and um, again he was under the pressures of the uh, Rebecca controversy at the time it was really pitiful and uh, quite disrespectful of uh, the great Dawkins. But anyway, <laughs> um, so we're there on the sidelines and. Uh, he never acknowledged Randy. I think he was really on his guard. The, the line for the book signing was just uh, as far as the eye could see. Um, so that was really good to um, to see. Uh, but I had turned to Randy and said, "Listen, this is this is you know, it's probably not a good time." And he had uh, agreed, and instead, I had Randy sign. Richard Dawkins' book. So there's my story about me, and Randy, and Richard Dawkins. And no, I never got to meet him. Uh, Randy would have been very persistent, and um, at some point would have found a way. Um, but I just thought it was—it was just too much, and I really—I would have just giggled. I would have been able to really say anything. Now, I did actually get to talk to him as an audience member during his presentation, during his keynote, when he took questions. I was the first person to ask a question. The question I asked was, how do you differentiate between natural and unnatural? or something of that nature. And uh, he was kind enough to answer it, but he, he sort of dickishly <laughs> answered, like, uh, uh, I think it was the difference between a tree and an airplane. <laughs> so um, there's probably a better way to ask the question that I was uh, trying to get from which is, you know, yeah, how do you honestly define the unnatural world when all is natural in many ways Um, never did get to have that conversation with him or anyone else Um, but hey if you'd like to answer that question in place of Dawkins go right ahead and do so pick up the uh, not the Integrity Radio that's us pick up the Anchor.fm app or the Android uh, store and uh, look up Integrity Radio and we are anchor.fm slash Integrity and uh, you can call in, join and um, I could include your thoughts on this issue alright, thanks for listening stay tuned This is episode 17, season 4 of Integrity
1: Radio.
2: Thank you.
0: The new one called pull out and coming up next is an oldie but goodie and yet another brand spanking new one brought to you by anchor integrity radio Myself. I just can't figure out how to butter myself. I like to spread the butter all over outside. I know the butter is better with the butter from another inside. Yeah. Where butter can itch, melt butter, whip butter, whip butter, broom butter, witch. A butter brother from another mother likes his butter cold. Better brother with brother from another never gets old. the smash hit more butter coming up next is a brand spanking new one called why ain't a you get your fingers ready for some jazzy finger snapping you're listening to integrity radio We have become masters of subverting, convoluting, and abstracting this thing that we call natural and unnatural. We have not wings. We have not gills. We have no fur. We are a frail and ill species, saved only by our evolved brains that convolute and abstract meaning, purpose, and like the serpent infinitely eating its own tail. The question, why? My grandmother used to jokingly say, because why ain't a you? If you'd like to contribute to the Integrity Radio Show, you can make a one-time contribution for any amount over at paypal.me slash that's s i f u z paypal dot me slash sifu z. Stay tuned. Integrity Radio. Hey, everybody, if you enjoy the Integrity Radio Show, go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Stay tuned. I think I'll end Episode 17 here, Season 4, with a Randy story. And by the way, if you're getting this in time, Happy pre, now, or post Thanksgiving. So there you have it. I, this is Wednesday before Thanksgiving when I'm recording this. And I believe it will be out the day before Thanksgiving. So uh, aloha to all you folks. And hope this message gets to you and your family in good health and spirits. So... Um, I used to tour with Randy. I told you I'd be jumping around here. Um, I started touring and being um, Randy's headlining act for, uh, well, that was around the late 70s. I started working with him in 77 or so. And so by late 70s, I'd actually started touring uh, with him, and he had just started lecturing as a skeptic. Prior to that, he would do magic shows and um, you know, television and radio, and stuff like that. But he had just started sort of following in Houdini's footsteps as a lecturing skeptic, where he would do um, some magic, but then he would have me uh, sort of afterwards be the entertainment, more of the entertainment portion. And he was the entertainment and educational part of the uh, presentation. So um, we started doing that in the late 70s and working together uh, all the way up until about the early to mid 80s, which ended in the Erickson Group uh, World conference that took us all over the world and it's amazing how you really don't see the profoundness in you know what you're doing at the moment you know you're just there you're doing it (laughs) and it it really is later on in life that you look and see the the the, um, you know how amazing pun intended uh, the experience and that opportunity, uh, really was. And, um, yeah, Randy, he had, he was doing some magic in his lecture. He had just started doing the, uh, the skeptical, uh, lectures. And he had a good deal of magic. More in the early years of his lecturing, he had more magic than he did later on. But he always did a little trick or two, um, <laughs> no matter what. Um, and so, yeah, he did a little bit of magic. The, the topsy-turvy rabbits, the... Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so just classics—the uh, multiplying, uh, the, the bottles—and uh, oops, sorry—and um, oh, jeez, uh, it escapes me now. Some of the oh, one of my favorites that he would do during his lecture was the uh, vanishing radio, which is something he got from the old man Blackstone. Um, yeah, some any of you magicians out there hearing will immediately know which illusions uh, I'm talking about. They're classic, and again, Randy just man, he really made those effects. Uh, work. He put the magic into into those effects. It really is a testament to uh, a performer and an entertainer, and how important those things are. First and foremost, uh, you can you can then pull off the easiest of illusions or or tricks uh, with a good uh, element of entertainment and performance. And Randy was just a master um, at that. Um, yeah, after about 1986, I, uh, by that time I had spent most of my life from about eight years of age to my mid twenties as a performing magician. Um, so I really wanted to get more into music and performing and becoming a better musician so at about that time i started sort of phasing out magic and focusing more on um, playing in bands and touring with bands and whatnot Um, and now i do magic like I do painting or even music at this point. Now I do all those things on a level of entertaining myself. Uh, the market is so flooded right now that it just seems to be an upwards, losing, uphill, losing battle of trying to sell yourself uh, or sell your art or your music. Um, and you wind up having to be spend more of your time as a salesman, and as a distribution, and and as a web uh, master, and all these other things. Um, and you wind up doing very little of the art that really draw us to do those things. So, um, and I, I really got it. Uh, tip my hat to those that are able to do um, what they feel is a sufficient amount of art and to actually be able to balance that uh, into a a livelihood I tip my hat to you folks because uh, that is not an easy balance to strike Um, at least not for many of us Now, just as Randy sort of prepared me for success as an entertainer, um, which he certainly did. I mean, at any point, if I decide to pick up entertaining, I have the skills that are still relevant to um, entertaining an audience. Um, But in that same hand, I got very much into uh, outdooring and hiking. Um, I graduated from the National Outdoor Leadership School in, I believe, 91, 92 or so. And um I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, portions of the Appalachian Trail, portions of the Continental Divide Trail. And um, I've really become accustomed more to the outdoor life and the life of to a a great extent seclusion and so uh, this is sort of segueing into something that i saw online there is a youtube video put out by uh, weinstein called does anyone deserve to be homeless so if you'd like to check that out you can just uh, look that up on youtube and I'm sure you'll find it right away. Um, and I'm, I'm grateful that people, uh, ac- <laughs> uh intellectuals, let's say, uh, we'll use quotes there, right? I- I'm glad that they're talking about the homeless crisis because, you know, it is a problem. and It's a growing problem. And it's, it's a ridiculous problem, really. Um, and I think it's made ridiculous, of course, by not really looking at it properly. And so here is a case where you have uh, two intellectuals, a professor and some other person. I'm not quite sure who they were, but they had this concept that there were two reasons or two types of homeless people. You know, the mentally ill or the... Criminally insane or whatever, and then people that have fallen on hard times, and so yeah Maybe to imply that one uh, Was deserving of sympathy over the other And then uh, Weinstein had Had served sort of trumped uh, The guy and said well, I think there's a third type um, Now before I even, I don't even remember what the third type was, but it, it really struck me as somewhat absurd. Um, I'm sure the intention wasn't meant to be absurd, or at least I hope not. That would be quite um, insidious. But to say that there are two or even three reasons why people, uh, or, or types of homeless people, Um, is just crazy. There's more reasons than you can count for why there would be homeless people. I think you're applying logic that would perhaps, you know, uh, adhere to to your way of living. So in other words, if you have a house, if you have a place, a, a home, There's probably only two or maybe three reasons why you have a place, a home. (laughs) But that doesn't apply to people that don't have a home. Uh, You know, I really like to um, quote Steven Pinker here where he says um, poverty is our default state. And so you have so many different, you know, states of of living, experience, so many variables that happen to different people that to say that there's just, you can just divide the homeless into two or three camps is just absurd. And, And again, I know you're, you know, you folks mean well, but meaning well and doing well are two different things and it's the doing well that's going to help us to approach this This crisis. Now, I've been an outdoorsman uh, for so long that it's very hard for others and even myself at times um, to make clear the line between being homeless and just being an outdoor person that doesn't have a home. You know, uh, since the 80s, since college, I have weaved in and out of living in wilderness and living in homes and i've always said it's a lot easier to get comfortable with living indoors than it is living outdoors but once you get comfortable living outdoors (laughs) it's um well, if you're a long-distance hiker, you know this. You, you start to be more acclimated to being outdoors than indoors. And indoors tends to throw you off balance because, you know, you've got the heat and the air conditioning and the refrigerator and all these things that acclimate you very quickly to indoors. So... Um, yeah, one, of, one of the things it should be understood about um, the homeless or outdoor people um, is very similar to jail. You know, if you're used to being in jail at a certain point, that's where home is. So if you're used to being out on the street at a certain point, that's where you're comfortable. Right? It are Regardless if you have a home or don't have a home, we're all looking for a comfortable vortex, right? A place where we can feel safe and and a place where we can rest, you know? So um, some people find that within uh, a house and good for you. But many people that even have homes don't actually feel at home. So, man, again, the, the spectrum of why a person would not feel at home or even have a home, be homeless, is so wide and so varied. And it has to be understood as such if you're going to approach the issue. And it really is more of a social issue than it is a personal issue. There are personal issues for sure. For instance, people that live out in the wilderness, you can tell that there's, that's a personal issue. They don't want to be near other people. (laughs) And there is, of course, the spectrum of the criminally insane or the the drug addicted. Um, But they still nonetheless need our help or intervention of some nature if you want to actually pragmatically deal with the issue. So these are the sort of things that I learned from Randy. Randy. This episode of Integrity Radio brought to you by SifuZee.com where you can get all of your Kung Fu instruction and gear and also PickingADaisy.com Vintage Daisy BB Guns from 1800s to 1940. Stay tuned to Integrity Radio. airsoft was in the
1: Thank you. Next, please, me my so mad.
0: Do you